Welcome to It's a Sign, a podcast created to explore the unseen world of magic, symbols, spirit and emotion. Listen as we navigate the path to a deeper understanding of the inner worlds, how this can greatly inspire our everyday life and what tools we can use to help us along the way. Our intention with this podcast is to be the sign you needed to begin your own exploration within, to heal, inner stand and reveal the magic that surrounds you. Please take from this episode what resonates with your heart. I'm Helki and I'm here with Trey. Let's begin. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dream Podcast. Woo! And if you can count all 10 fingers on your hand, then you are most likely awake. Also, if you can trace the moments leading up to this experience, then you are also most likely awake. Awake, yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of different tests to see if we are waking and dreaming. And tonight, we are going to explore the boundaries and the places in between dreaming and waking and dive into the realms beyond our normal states of consciousness. Yeah, guys, so if you're breathing through your nose with your nostrils closed, you're dreaming. Time to wake up. Yeah, that's one of the common, really common, Halk, you hadn't heard of it before. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it. <laughs> but I heard of the finger-pulling thing. Yeah. Or the finger through Counting. the hand. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a bunch of little tests that you can do. They're called reality checks, actually. They're part of the training, you could say, to become lucid in your dreams, which is being aware that you are dreaming. But, but one, if you sleep so much that you don't even know if you're ever awake, you can also use these to double check. True, yeah. yeah. If you're in a state of delirium, well, you know, even then, like, if you're in a state of psych, like, you haven't slept for a long time, then maybe <laughs> yeah. your hand will go, your finger will go through your hand. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. But it's worth trying, guys, so just give it a go now before we proceed. Also, can you count to ten? It's very hard to count in the dream world. Head. Anything of consistency is very hard there. So that's why if you try to count your fingers or see if you can, you know, things just don't line up. There's always some sort of little inconsistencies that, you know, don't work. Or if you can breathe underwater. You know, it's and... interesting because you don't think about that when you're dreaming. Yeah. It feels like everything is real yeah like and you don't think yeah. like things are out of place yeah. right so it's interesting that to hear that they are yeah you could be drinking a mimosa on miami beach and a pink flamingo could be serving you peanuts yeah. and it'd be completely normal and you wouldn't think twice about it yeah it kind of is a nice reflection on our waking reality sometimes we accept things that they are what they are without really you know, looking Thinking deeper how into it. Freaking weird they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot about things, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So Helki, you wanna start us off in this yeah, so grand topic of dreams? It's a great topic. Like we do talk about dreams a lot and we find dreams so interesting and we argue about dreams a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of nightmares, and apparently from the research I've done, a lot of you can relate. Over 50% of all dreams are bad dreams. 
apparently studies say but you know you can't always trust the studies but let us know do you struggle with nightmares um do you remember your dreams even so i found a few so-called facts but i mm. think with this topic everything is really theory like there's not too much like if any solid science when it comes to dreams so yeah. take what resonates as we always say in our intro take what resonates and leave what doesn't and um we're sort of just exploring the topic so it's not uh everything from our own perspectives but we will also be sharing some of our own experiences and our own perspectives as well on dreams so firstly like i found some just interesting things that apparently science studies have found mm -hmm. about dreams through doing like thousands of like tests on mm -hmm. people and um so one of them was your brain can't create new faces. Every person in our dream is a person from real life. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, hmm. not... I mentioned this to Trey before, so you, you don't really believe that. No. But apparently it was in this big science study that came out. Um, so, like, even if it's just, like you've seen a face like it could just be like someone serving you at the counter mm -hmm. you know like and you don't really notice them and maybe that face will show up and you think you don't know them but you have seen them around maybe. Uh, right like someone you've seen passing on the street yeah or something? exactly like it's just because of like the way the brain works when we sleep it's like pulling from memories apparently mm. But anyway, I thought that was interesting, but I think we both don't necessarily believe that. Like, I, I'm i pretty... Sh like, I can't say for sure, like, really, but I know I've seen, like, aliens and stuff in my dreams, and I haven't seen aliens even drawn how I've seen them. Yeah. So... Yeah. And they still have faces. Yeah. But often they are kind of, like, distorted. I find, like... It's only faces you know that you see really crisp, like, in my memory, anyway. It's like, when I wake up, I have a really good recall of my dreams, but it's not um, always, like, exactly what people look like if, they, if I didn't know them before. Yeah, you know? and who knows, like, maybe we have seen that person before, but we just didn't consciously categorize ca catalog it yeah right you know? it's it's interesting i can see why scientists would come up with that theory yeah the only person whose face like i saw so clearly was when the one time i had a dream about my daughter all right like that was the only time where i've i can really recall he doesn't saying, have a daughter by the way yeah i don't not physically yeah yeah but <laughs> the only time i really ever saw a face so clearly that I can remember. It was like in probably one of the most vivid dream, lucid dreams I've ever had was, yeah, that. And, but now it's like, of course, the dreams faded away. So now the image has faded too. Yeah. And maybe it could have been 
a face you've seen before yeah. and you yeah, just did exactly. like you passed a kid in the street and yeah. it was looked a bit similar to you and it like clung in your brain in the subconscious or something. Yeah, and I'm surprised our, our minds can't like merge faces, you know, like create a Frankenstein of a face, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like of characteristics. Like, I, I don't know if I really believe this theory. So yeah. I just thought it was a, a fun thing yeah. that came up. Yeah. Um, another one is you can't read in your dreams because it's a conscious activity and our dreams only take place in the subconscious. Yeah. So that's like interesting that you can't... I, I've never had a dream where I read stuff. Yeah. In the, my unconscious dreams, I don't know. I don't think I, we can. I don't know. But I just lucid dreams i feel like i think that i think that these it's a are, different, this is yeah. just about dreams yeah this is a different yeah so category we'll mention lucid dreams towards the end i think but yeah. i think most people will relate to just talking about dreams because mm-hmm. absolutely that's another fact that every single one of us dreams every night whether we remember it or not yeah and um, so even if you think you're someone who doesn't dream it's not true you're just not remembering them yeah and how much how many dreams do we have like i think it's like 15 plus a night but we only really remember like a small fraction of it or we only we only remember like a small percentage of our dreams each night and think those those are all the dreams yeah i think that i read that we dream roughly two hours a night and that i guess like you remember what five minutes of it yeah, and also... I've, I have remembered longer, though. Yeah. But... Yeah, because dreams, like, you can have multiple dreams within this session of, like, that I've rapid even dr- I've even remembered, like, having three different dreams in one night before. Yeah, yeah. I think the most I've been able to record was five, and I also was able to record the transition between two of the dreams. Oh, wow. So the transition of the dream fading into were they lucid though no okay um they were i was just the just the memory of it and i remembered the dream and then i remembered the dream fading almost like a watercolor kind of like ink like blotching into the paper kind of disappearing into the void and then i remember this new light coming and then the dream being painted and then being immersed in the dream Mm interesting yeah so yeah you can't dream you can't read in your dreams so i thought that was interesting i never even thought about it but i think that resonates with me just because i haven't read in dreams before well yeah if you think about the like not even like a sign yeah you know yeah i think if you think about the reality check it's like when you try to count your fingers, it's a similar concept. Like, you can't Because it's a conscious so you, activity. You can't dream, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, when we were talking about the subconscious earlier, and it's something like when you, you can drive and the subconscious can take over and then your conscious mind can start thinking, okay, like, I've got to do this tomorrow or, like, rehearsing your lines for something or, you know, completely not focused on the driving. But you can't subconsciously read. Mm. You know? Yeah. It makes sense. Like, you need to consciously focus to read. Yeah, and it's hard to focus. That's why reading is really good when you're feeling a bit low. 
because say if you're having like negative thought patterns i find reading really helpful because yeah. i can't focus on my negative thoughts if i have to focus on reading yeah so it's in i think that makes so much sense mm. you can't see yourself in a mirror hmm. when you're dreaming your face would be they were saying your face would be like distorted or uh-huh. or you'd look like someone else interesting and i'm pretty sure like that rings a bell but i don't have any like strong memories of dreams right? well actually one time so you know there there you really small amounts of dmt when you dream right yeah but one time i took a small amount of dmt and i looked into the reflection of the window oh, and i didn't see my own face i saw Scary, like a demon face no i saw a mix of like my parents in my, that's what you are though. yeah but i saw my father's face blurring into my mother's face and then also like these ancestors like I, old people that i didn't know like as my face so weird <laughs> yeah how did you feel i was like whoa that's really cool <laughs> all right so i didn't freak you out no that's cool but what do you think about that theory yeah, I don't know. I haven't um, tested it enough to yeah. know in the dream world. So you haven't had dreams where you've looked in mirrors? I can't remember or recall any yeah, off same. the top of my head. Um, apparently, blind people can dream with vision. Yeah, that's cool. So cool. Yeah. And a lot of blind people um, claim to have full vision in their dreams and if i was blind i just wanted to sleep and dream all the time wow that's amazing okay there's also this thing i think it's called aphantasia where it's people don't have the ability to visualize so oh my god what yeah so there's a small percentage yeah there's a small percentage of people so even when they try to recall someone's face it doesn't come as an image so like right now, if I say, imagine an elephant, you close your eyes and you can see the rough kind of ha- You can hazy... see it with your eyes open. Yeah, yeah, anything. Like you can see an elephant, right? Yeah. Like the, at, least the, at least a foggy image of it, right? Yeah. But these people, they only can visualize it conceptually. So they can only have the knowledge that the elephant has four legs, that it has a trunk. That it has a head, ears, and a body. Even if they've seen it before. Yeah. So their memories are all knowledge-based. They're not visual. So they completely forget what an elephant looks like. Yeah. They don't know what it looks like unless they're in front of it. They, They know what it looks like logically through through characteristics like it has four legs. But they can't visualize those legs. They can't visualize the trunk. It's it's a really and there's many artists that have aphantasia, who draw, but they can't visualize. It's, it's a completely different. How do they come up with the design? There's whole interviews on YouTube, so you can like look that up. Yeah, I have to dig into that. I but... think it's aphantasia the the word, but yeah, the but the thing is, when they dream, they have access to their visual parts. So it's something that happens when they're awake that they can't. <coughs> Oh, bless you. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, so it's something that happens when they're awake that they can't access that that dream. So they don't dream? 
they do dream though. But when they're awake, they can't visualize. But then when they're dreaming, they can. Kind of like blind people. Like blind people, yeah. In that, so in that interesting. Regard. I've never heard of that. What the hell? I'm going to go on a deep dive later. Yeah, there's this cool um, Anthony Padilla. He does these interviews with like kind of people with obscure things. He sometimes interviews people who've been kidnapped or who have like disorders or certain things. He used to be the on Smosh. Do you know that channel? Yeah, I've heard of it. I never watched yeah, it. Yeah, so it was like the, you know, one of the OG YouTube channels, but he broke away from Smosh and started his own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he does these interviews. That's where I heard about it, where there was these interviews with these yeah. people. Yeah. Interesting. So back to dreams. So apparently men and women dream differently. Researchers have found some differences between men and women when it comes to the content of their dreams. In several studies, men reported dreaming about weapons significantly more than women did, while women dreamed about references to clothing more often than men. So lame. Another study showed that men's dreams tend to have more aggressive content and physical activity, while women's dreams contain more rejection and exclusion. Mm as well as more conversation than physical activity. Women tend to have slightly longer dreams that feature more characters. When it comes to the characters that typically appear in dreams, men dream about other men twice as often as they do about women, while women tend to dream equally for the sexes. That's interesting. I can I can kind of see that in an unconscious way because of how we've been programmed you know so like you know boys are typically raised more with like weapons and guns and like you know toys of that sort your bodies are built in a different way like you're stronger um you like to wrestle like you know like it's more like it's not even how you're raised it's almost like a, a natural thing i've noticed you know like even just how more physical majority of men are you know like you notice how brothers all love to wrestle and play hard and play fight i don't know because it might be a a, a, it might be a a result of our you know of our culture who knows how much we're absorbing as babies you know like about what i wonder if there's something to like how we're built different you know how like men are stronger and more physical like they're you know, that's why we don't race against you in the Olympics and stuff. Yeah. Because we wouldn't stand a chance. Like. Yeah, but in, in terms of, like, the impulses, you know, there's just, like, been, like, the Amazonian women who are very fierce warriors, you know, in a tribe of matriarchal society. You know, we don't know, like, if there were different, you know, who knows if they were wrestling as kids, probably, if, the, if there were such a warrior-based society, you know, of women. So it might just be the cultures were raised in that kind of kind of almost unconsciously direct what we do you know we might think this might be a deep character trait of ours or or like a deep instinct but it might be defined by the societies we live in well yeah like it i'd much rather like (laughs) have like those kind of dreams and dream about clothes and rejection and exclusion (laughs) so lame um but interesting as well that men dream a lot more about other men. I think that's just, again, like that, um, the way we've been brought up, you know? It's like... Repressed homosexuality. 
no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think they was yeah, no. pointing to that. I think it's more of like that competitiveness that men have. Like if you look at like sports and stuff, you know, and maybe that's. And then, like, obviously, if you're already dreaming about fighting, then but it's going to be men that you're fighting. But I feel like you're more competitive than me in certain things. And my mom is probably one of the most competitive people but I know. me and your mom are both Leos. Yeah. Leos are very competitive. Yeah. But also, like, we always say, like, I, I've always known I've had... I've been very in touch with, like, my masculine energy and I've, you know, like that's always been easy access for me and like for you you're very in touch with your feminine energy so maybe like we're not the best examples of that but yeah. maybe this is sort of based on you know yeah average Jalanan, you know yeah well I, I don't know yeah i guess i feel like anyone who's really into sports or competitive activities so i'm not really into sports no true but competitive i don't know yeah it might be a no part of your I, ju- I am just competitive if yeah. I, that's why I try and avoid. <laughs> like I try to avoid playing. Like Monica and Friends. Yeah, like... <laughs> I literally am Monica and Friends. It's dangerous. Like, it's like the beast comes out. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting that they're different, but not surprising to be honest. You know. Um, yeah, because I feel like the dreams are just such a you know they when you are unconscious you are just processing your unconscious you know, things that happen in the real world. So if you're immersed in a specific gender role, then you would, it would be kind of predictable that you would dream similar to that gender yeah. role. Yeah, and, well, like, I, I've had a lot of, like, fighting dreams and stuff, you know, like, where I'm fighting with the wild animals and having yeah. to, like, protect my family. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um... I think gender is just so lucid these days anyways like when yeah. were these studies done probably in the <laughs> 80s or 90s like yeah. okay so another thing to remember is that dream recall is very rare studies show um that a common that a common trait found in people who often remember their dreams is openness apparently um so I have really strong dream recall. I wouldn't say I a sort of a strong trait of mine is openness necessarily, but what it, I would say is that I am open to change. Like I've gone through so much change in my life that you know, I change doesn't scare me. Like it some people are terrified of change. Um so maybe like that's could be a reason as well, but they were said that's what they're saying. It's not yeah. actually common to remember your dreams, but there are ways. And I think at the end of the podcast, we'll go over some tips that we have found to help with recalling your dreams. Yeah, I mean, I think it might not be common just these days, you know, in so many old cultures. I'm avoiding using the word ancient. <laughs> you can say ancient. <laughs> I always say ancient cultures. <laughs> Especially the indigenous tribes. It was um it was it's it was common practice to speak about one's dreams and it you know it was such a deep part of society was communicating your dreams and 
even in the Toltec culture, which predates the Aztecs and Mayans, it's an ancient civilization, some of the people who built the pyramids in Mexico, um, they... What was I going to say about them? We were talking about dreams. About remembering. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there was these people called, like... Um, they were basically dream interpreters. And they were a huge amount of people in this society were dream interpreters. They say roughly 10,000 of the 45,000 people within the societies were dream interpreters. So that's a huge amount. Yeah. You know, so you can see, like... In this culture, it was a huge aspect and many people would go to them and in, and have their dreams interpreted. And then they would kind of form this coalition of dreams with all the people and kind of try and draw common aspects from each of them and see, or these, why are all these people dreaming about this thing? Because there, there have been some recorded th- moments where it was like a lot of people were suddenly dreaming about one thing and like maybe a flood happening yeah and then a flood happens yeah is that sort of what you mean yeah yeah interesting really interesting yeah and it, it kind of goes with you know how consciousness works like um collective consciousness yeah and actually if we take science into this there was a study done where people were put into a room and they were just told all they were told was just to watch a video Okay, so they were just watching a very boring and mundane video. But at one point, the video would suddenly jump scare them with like this creepy face and try and like elicit a spike in like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. so they were all monitored with like electromagnetic, um, you know, you know, things attached to their skin. And the really interesting thing that happened was that the people's energy spiked up to three seconds before the jump scare. So something knew it was about to happen before it did. Yeah. So you Collective can, consciousness. It's yeah. that same as that study. What was it that oh, I've heard it a few times? Like it's a really famous study. It was took part in Australia and then they did it again in the UK. What was it about? We watched something and together about it but I can't remember exactly what it was but it was something like um they had to like figure out these sequences or something in Australia and like oh, yeah, it was like yeah. a really low count of people that could even do it or complete it yeah and then when they went and tested it they did a test in it and made it easier for the people in the UK so yeah. more people completed it then when they went back to Australia, they did the same one they originally did for them mm. um, without even making it easier and more people completed it. Yeah. 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 Because I think it was the consciousness. They were tapping into that. That's what they're sort of trying to prove here with this. Yeah. Such interesting topic. But also, like, if you think, like, it is going a bit off subject, but, like, I was thinking the other day about, you know, how we're kind of being, you know, when you were saying about the jump scare, it reminds me of, you know, how, like, terrifying horror movies are these days. Like, Mm -hmm. they're so extreme and so graphic, right? But if you go back to, what was it, like, the 60s or, I don't know, it was around the 60s when that film The Exorcist came out. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know if you've watched it, have you? The Exorcist, yeah. Yeah, the original old one. Yeah. And it's uh, you probably don't think it's that scary. Yeah. If that's scary at all, right? Yeah. But it was so scary when that came out. It got banned. Yeah. Um, it put people in hospital, psychological damage. There was like, uh, like such an uproar. Like it really effed up. <laughs> so many teens of the time you know like people and it's like because people weren't being exposed to that stuff it's like it was jarring and damaging for them but it's like now it's like we're being exposed more and more to like these things it's almost like numbing us out and yeah there's like something to that like as a collective I think we are becoming like more and more numb to things but that I also think fear naturally would have we would have like been like oh no that's not good I don't you know yeah. like and it's kind of bringing us out of like a natural harmony I, I don't know it's just like that was a random thought yeah I, I was having this week I think fear changes and evolves over time so just like before you know, Frankenstein, right, was a scary book. Mm. And now we read it and we're like, eh, you know. But the monster changes over time and it, it develops into society. So now we have very different fears. So we're less scared of demons. You know, some people are, but majority of us, we're less scared of demons because and, like, these other monsters because it was more attuned to the time where there was like people were like more kind of christian and more like ooh demons were still quite a scary thing but now that we've kind of you know shoved that in our faces it's like okay now we can stare at that and not be scared but there's different fears now you know you know they're more grounded in less of the fantastical like the monsters and the frankensteins and the vampires you know now vampires are sexy you know, they used yeah, to be something we would like, be scared of. Yeah. But now it's like, what has the monster become for our society today? What is that? And, you know, maybe some could say, you know, we've been watching E.T. documentaries. Some could be saying that, ooh, there's a big fear of like some sort of extraterrestrial invasion. Maybe E.T.'s are the next fear, the next monster. You know, we're always there's always development and growth or maybe, you know, terrorism is the next, you know, monster, you know, it's like it can, it always changes its faces and fear shifts throughout time. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting to think about like how, how that's changed, but that makes sense what you're saying. Definitely. I do think that there is something about collective consciousness in it as well so it's just like um where we are all connected it is like you know like can it's connecting the fears as well yeah you know yeah collective but then obviously there's the internet so you know i'm not really sure i just thought that was interesting thought and that went really off track so sorry guys back to dreams um so I thought let's a question people often ask is can we die in dreams so many people say 
oh you can't and like how many books have you read like I've read so many books or like it's like or films where it's like you can't die in your dreams if you die in your dreams you die in real life or something Mm. like but it's not true remember like when we were staying um at that house at my aunt's house and I had two dreams in one week where I died yeah yeah so yeah week I died in a dream and I didn't die in real life and that's not the first time I don't think yeah I mean yeah me too I've died in dreams and normally it leads to some sort of giant spiritual experience for me yeah um because it's like we always maybe it's because we unconsciously see death as an ending Mm -hmm. and when you're seeing death as an ending you wake up you know yeah you wake up to consciousness so you're like it's an end it's ended um but i think it was only after i kind of had like those out-of-body experiences and started facing death more that i actually started having dreams where because before when i was a teenager i would like have deaths where i was like falling off a building and i was about to hit the ground and right before i hit the ground i woke up so I would never, I never had that experience, but it was only after I kind of started getting into spirituality and exploring death and having all these out-of-body experiences that I started having um, the experiences of dying and there was a continuation because I had become open to the idea maybe that there was something after death. Yeah, I can see that would work with a lot of people because so many people have that belief of, you know, you know, if you've fallen off a building, that's so common, and then they wake up when they hit the floor, so they don't actually experience death. Yeah. Or they feel like if they'd stayed in the dream, they might have actually died. Yeah. It was different for me, though, because I think the message of me dying in my dream at the time, it was to sort of snap me out of, like, an energy that I was occupying, so it was to show me because maybe I was having these negative thoughts that were leading down that that not wanting to exist kind of thoughts and energy and that dream really kind of gave me that experience so that I could see it's not actually what I want even though it wasn't negative it was just seeing me like literally having the experience of like not being here being able to see you from soul form you know see my family and my loved ones and everything and um and knowing that I died you know and going through the whole process of it Mm -hmm. like realizing like okay like that's not where I need to focus because it's not really what I want so it was like Again, I do think it was quite a spiritual experience in just a different way. Yeah. Yeah, so guys, you can die in your dreams, so don't be worried about that if he was. Yeah, I recommend it. I recommend dying. There are any other things? I kind of wanted to talk about um, the concept of dream. Yeah, that's, like, all the sort of quirky, like, little lists that I got together for, you know, what the scientists and what the studies are saying about Mm -hmm. dreams. 
Um, yeah, and then I just have some things to add on later just from my own thoughts. But yeah, let's get into cool. the history. Is that what you were saying? Well, no, I just firstly, I wanted to kind of just explore the topic of dreams. Like firstly, you know, science doesn't really know much about it, but we typically tend to separate our waking reality from our dreaming reality. Um, and I like to think of them as separate realities, that they're both real in very different ways. And that for me, the I think the goal has become learning how to stay conscious in my dreams, even though at this point in time, I feel quite far away from that. Whereas before I was kind of much closer, um, staying aware in my dreams and also learning how to dream while I'm awake. Um, so one thing that I, very important thing that I learned from lucid dreaming was that creativity is unbound within the dream world. You can create absolutely anything. And when I became lucid in my dreams, I think I might have talked about this before, but I was able to create entire cities, entire civilizations, entire worlds with just the flick of my thought. Yeah, you, know, you I said could create, that in the yeah. astral projection episode, I think. Yeah, I could create entire worlds, right? So when I woke up I re into the waking reality, I realized that there is a limit, unlimited potential for creativity. And I think when, you know, we, we have this language intermixed within our um, dialectics within our vocabulary, like daydreaming, you know, we're, we're, it's almost like we're kind of in a world of our own, but we're somehow awake, you know, it's kind of, where is the real boundaries? Like when we visualize, are, is that not a form, a small form of dreaming? Are we not dreaming up images? Are yeah, we not? Yeah, of course, like, yeah. like, even like, when you get stuck in negative thought patterns, like, it's literally a, a daydream or a day nightmare. You yeah. know, a day mare. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I firmly, well, I kind of believe that we are all dreaming um, a collective reality. And our dream may be conscious or unconscious. Um, so we might be unconsciously going through our day, um, just like we might be going unconsciously through our dreams. And we can see how like, we're manifesting and creating things at the same time in waking reality. And I think it's still a dream of sorts, but a very different feeling, a very different texture of a dream. One where we're cohabitating with very, we know with almost like different souls and different perspectives. But that's not to say that it's only limited to this waking world. I wanted to quickly talk about um, this ancient Toltec tradition, which it, which is, um, yeah, predating the Mayans and the Aztecs. It's, you know, the people who built the pyramids in Mexico and all of that. But they had a very strong dream culture. And it was actually the focus of their spirituality. And they're kind of, you know how there's like Buddhism and stuff like that? They had something called Na Nahualism, N-A-H-U-A-L-I-S-M, Nahualism, Nahualism, mm -hmm. not sure how to say it, but 
they had this concept. So there's this one thing called the tonal, which is the waking state, and the nahual, which is the sleep slash dream state. And um, the explanation of nahualism is very simple. It's when the tonal and the nahual come together. So the dreaming and the waking state come together, forming a unique energy body. When this energy body is formed, we reach the state that in Nahuatl is known as temixac. I don't know how to, how to say that. But it is translated as a blossom dream or a lucid dream, a dream controlled at will. And they say that we can also attain this state while we're awake, daydreaming or dreaming while awake. This allows us to see a different reality. Energy, ancestors, guides, the underworld, and the future, either in the obsidian mirror, which was a tool that they used, or in the face of the world or people. So it's like we're opening up reality. We're bringing our dreams into the waking world and opening up the dream world like it's a book and we're seeing the reflection of our ancestors, energies, spirits within the world. It's like how I see it is like the, you know, the, it's like when the third eye kind of awakens, you know, when the third eye opens, it's like, it's, it's vision, it's vision and dream coming into the waking world. And they say long after we have achieved this, and become a master of our dreams, we will be able to take the next step, entering the collective dream and dreams of others and influencing what we call reality. So it's learning how to influence reality from the substrate code, the dream of reality. Um, at this stage, we will also be developing skills, prophetic, dreaming and repeating the same dream at will sewing dreams together to create our waking state restoring the sleep body and the greatest paradoxical accomplishment of the dreamer sleeping without dreaming and so become a master of an almost total power it's very cool sleeping without dreaming eh? yeah that's what most people think they do I think what they're trying to say here is that, you know, um, it's kind of like Buddhist. It's kind of a Buddhist philosophy in the same, because the Buddhists say that the illusions we encounter in dreams are the same ones we encounter in waking life. So that there's this idea that our dreams are illusions and so our reality is our illusion. And when we become willful creators of our dreams we're no longer seeing illusions and when those illusions dissipate then we no longer dream but in but we've become awake fully whatever that means it's kind okay. of a paradox so yeah. that's why they say is the greatest paradoxical accomplishment is sleeping without dreaming but at the same time i think that just means they've fully awakened because you know the buddha you know, when he came in and people were like, who are you? 
And he's like, I am awake. You know, so it's, you're no longer dreaming, you're fully awakened. And I think there's some something there. That's interesting. And that was before um, Buddha, right? Yeah, before Buddha. Yeah. So, you know, we even have like, um, there's a lot of dream culture in the Aboriginal tribes in Australia. They have something called the dreaming, which is what they call the original singularity creation event is that there was a void and within the void was a mind and our universe was born from the dream of this mind and from the void birthed our everything our universes our everything we know and it's all within the dreamer the dream the grand dreamer's mind yeah and so if you think about isn't it well, if you think about it, <laughs> it's like this it's very, one mind. It's like the one God thought. Yeah, it's a very similar thought to like that we yeah. all come from a source and we all yeah, but are the that source. Yeah, the thought of it being a mind. Yeah. You know, how, it's just because, you know, now the mind is kind of the enemy, you know? Yeah, well... Especially like in meditation and stuff, you need to quiet the mind or be out of the mind. and mm. Yeah, so it just... Well, it's out of the monkey mind. Because yeah. the, the Hindus and the yogis and the Buddhists all believe that everything is mental. Um, so there's many definitions for the word mind. Yeah, it was just like making fun. At yeah. Like the, the first visual that came to me of this like big, <laughs> horrible mind. Well, maybe, like, yeah. Creating this like crazy polarity that well, we exist you, within right now. Like Yeah, well, if you think about it. Yeah, but when you think about it just like as this big head, it's yeah. kind of creepy. But it kind of, if you think about it, look at our world. Isn't it the perfect representation kind of the chaos of our own mind? Yeah. You know, you can kind of see that. No, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense. No, yeah. I was just saying it made me laugh. Yeah. Like, just that visual. Yeah. You know? And, yeah, if we think about, like, the concept of, like, the source, that we all come from the source, and that we're all one in the same being. And even if we look at the geometry of the universe, you know, they've shown, like these mirror images like these side-by-side images of like you know the 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 network of dark matter within the universe compared to the network of neurons within our brain you know they're very similar you know it's it's almost like the universe is a giant mind that we're within and so and i really think that i really don't think that our consciousness is you know limited to our bodies i think it goes beyond that i think that the universe is one great cosmic mind one cosmic dreamer some huge supreme um being and that we live within the folds of this being's dreams that the the stars the planets the universe are cells within this great cosmic being's body is that what you you think or what they think. Well, I, this is something I'm I'm conjuring, not, oh, right. not them. Okay, I got confused then. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'd never really think of it like a being. I've never thought of God as a being. Well, yeah. If you think about, like, 
even in our body. Because I think even when we're not here, we're not beings anymore, are we? Really? Yeah, because we're still being, aren't Just we? Just, like, energy. Yeah, but energy is being, right? We're still yeah. We're still aware, aren't we? You yeah. think? I guess I was thinking more like a, a physical thing. Well, there's non-physical beings, right? Yeah. There's astral beings. There's extra-dimensional beings. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like I never really thought of that as like one big giant being. Yeah, for me, it just like when I've seen these like things of what's going on in our body, like what the micro universe within our body and how we literally have an entire universe inside our body and we haven't even begun to explore the quantum realms of how our body functions like it's and i'm a mind hosting this body right and there's an entire universe within this body and little aware you know things inside me carrying out functions you know it's pretty crazy there's like an entire cosmos within me so for me it's not i always think of like as above so below you know that that cosmic law that it's like um you know what's within is without sun moon you know there's it's like this polarity in this but i think it's the ancient hermetic law is like as above so below so for me it's not so much a stretch to think that if i have a universe within myself then maybe i myself am within the universe of another being yeah 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 like gaia i guess the earth yeah, yeah, like, you could just be inside that being, like, Gaia. Yeah, because we are, we are a function of the Earth, aren't we? We're, like, we're just as much a part of the Earth organism yeah, as like, a tree. Yeah, like, that's just, like, a cell in your body. It's, like, that's what you are to Gaia. Yeah. I guess. Kind yeah, of. and then Gaia would just be another small, tiny thing in the great cosmic multiverse. Yeah. Yeah, this is just one of those topics that does send you a million random directions. But yeah. I think this is this podcast as well. <laughs> In general, guys, so bear with us. It's like so interesting to even ponder these ideas, you know, because I think most of us, we don't really, we have our dreams, we remember them, we don't remember them, and we get on with our day, you know? Yeah. But it's interesting to sort of actually look at that. Like, we do that every single day. Apparently, we dream six hours of our life. I mean, six days of six, <laughs> six days of, of our, our lives. Life. Is it? Yeah, six days of our lives. Of our lives. No, we dream, we dream like 20-something years of our life. 20... No, six years. Sorry, it's six years. I think it's 25 years. I, I literally something. was just researching for this and it was really? definitely six something, so it must be six years. Well, it's one third On of average, our life, I thought. I guess most people don't dream that, don't sleep that. Long. Oh, dream, sorry, yeah. You only... We sleep a third of our life, but no, then dreaming. Yeah, they said it was it was six, so it must be six years, I imagine. On average of our lives, it's not going to be six days. Yeah. Yeah, so... You're only going to dream maximum, like, two hours a night, probably, they say. 
Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, no. that makes sense. Yeah, because I was thinking like, okay, sleeping and dreaming. Yeah, I yeah. was getting confused because if you're you sleep a third of your life, but then yeah. within that third, only a fraction of that is dreaming. So. Yeah, it's fine. I got confused. I thought it was six hours to begin with. Yeah. So. So any more like from dream history? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit. I don't think we can talk about dreaming without talking about lucid dreaming. Um, so lucid dreaming is the act of being awake while dreaming. We kind of mentioned it in that Nahualism kind of topic where they're, they're mentioning that. And lucid dreaming is just, it's a really incredible practice. Um, and it's, you know, it's exhilarating and it's just, you know, the practice of being, staying awake while you dream. And in what, there's this thing called yoga nidra, which is dream yoga. And it's basically the concept that even when you're in, we, we think that like we go from dream, waking to unconsciousness to dreaming, right? And that we can only be conscious while we're dreaming. But they actually say that you could remain conscious through all of the processes of sleep. So even in your deepest sleep where you're supposed to, you know, be in just this void place, you know, you can be aware. And Buddha said that we're actually closer to being awake when we're in the deepest part of sleep. And we're furthest from being awake when we're in our so-called conscious reality. So if you think about it, you know, the Buddhist kind of Hindu philosophy is that we exist in Maya, we exist in illusion. And that, you know, this is all a big illusion that we're kind of partaking in that our desires are you know all these things it's like all this facade it's a dream but when we get closer to i guess the depths of our silence the depths of our stillness in the deep delta states where our body's healing we're getting closer to source we're getting closer to the creator to the origin of the dream so it's interesting to think that in this philosophy everything's flipped around. That in the Buddhist and Hindu philosophy, we do not start as awake within the conscious reality, but we start bef- we start awake in our deep sleep. We start awake in the void in this place. And then from there, we dream and then we manifest. We dream and then we manifest into physical reality. And when you think about it, when we're in our very high beta frequency, we're buying into all the stresses of the world, we're being pulled here and there, we're, you know, worrying about something, or we're drawn into the illusion of another, and we get wrapped up in this, in this illusory world where it's pulling our attention, and we forget where we came from, which is like this womb of creation that you can follow past your dreams into, um, this place of stillness. And I went to this dream yoga workshop at my university. It was like a three-day thing. And this this man was 
teaching us about it and he was you know talking like you know believe him or not I kind of I believed him just with the authenticity and the peace that he radiated and was speaking he was saying that once you get to the deepest part of your dream it's like your duality of the ego it's like it's falling back into tranquility like like a invisible blanket you're like falling back into this invisible tapestry and your ego dissolves and if we think that maybe the ego is what separates us from one another it's, it makes us singular it you know then when we dissolve that ego when we return to where we came from that that's at that place that he's speaking about at the depths of our sleep of our dream and that that's, that's actually where we're the most awake if we can remain conscious mm-hmm. we're the most true closest to ourselves yeah it kind of reminds me of that vision i had at the church in france yeah yeah i had like this vision where um you know the sacred virgin mother mary she came well we were in a a catholic church i think right so there was like lots of images of her so we were sort of trying to connect with her and she came through and originally she was sort of just saying like feel feel me like just feel and it was like really intense but then when I went and sat down and I closed my eyes to meditate in the church um it kind of went further and it was like I sort of fell like back kind of like you were describing or that guy was describing it was like I was falling back but not onto tapestry it was just like into nothing nothing yeah that's that's what he was saying Yeah, yeah and then I was I could I was like aware that I was nothing because I couldn't see anything. Like it was just black. Um, But I felt what I was. And then I remembered what she'd shown me that Mother Mary felt like, which was amazing. But also like I knew her very well, like energetically, where I don't feel like that in my waking life, really. You know, I'm not Christian. But... um, when you came and sat next to me as well and you were not there like there was nothing there but I felt your energy and the best I could describe it was almost like a signature or a code um but in feeling yes so that you had a unique feeling and I knew it was you and you wasn't necessarily Trey but I knew you very well yeah and then it and I felt like, oh, you know, like that feeling of like where you feel so comfortable because you know this soul or person very well, but it's like in this non-physical sense. And then what they showed me is like now you see what you are. Mm-hmm. I had that message and it was like you are having a seat in this experience mm-hmm. as Helki. Yeah. So it was almost like then they sort of showed me like a cinema seat which morphed me into the body of my body and back into this reality. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never studied Buddhism. Yeah, I think you're hitting something, you know, 
What's this saying? You're hitting the nail on the mark? On the head. Nail on the head? Yeah. So even just here, there's a quote that says, we, when we reach this state, we temporarily disconnect from the superficial layers of mind. Yeah. The superficial layers is you identifying with Halki. Yeah, and also there was nothing. Yeah. No world. Yeah. No stars. You know, like people often say, oh, I was in the cosmos. It was like nothing. Yeah, nothing. I was nothing. You was nothing. But feeling. But we were. But there was feeling and awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And so they say. No visual. Yeah, no visual. Just feeling. Yeah. But not like anxiety. Yeah. It was really weird. Like, yeah, it was like you could just read like who someone was and you you knew you could talk to them through your mind if you chose to but there was no desire to Mm -hmm. and it was almost just like yeah like when you came and sat next to me it was almost like I'm here but it was yeah like it was really strange and it's I've only experienced it that brief time that one time so yeah the rest of the quote says and connect to our shared awakened nature it's the awakened nature beyond the superficial layers of the ego and the mind, our collective Buddha nature or Christ nature or soul nature. And there's this beautiful fiction book called A Wrinkle in Time, which speaks about this. And it's these, these kids who are learning how to kind of come into their soul contact. And when they are doing this thing which is like they're transporting from through the dimensions of space and time they're like going from one place to another and it's called a tesseract and they go into this void place and there's no sound no thought no Mm. no 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 sound no sight everything's this void but they can feel yeah and they can feel one another and she's looking for her dad and she can feel the soul of her dad and she teleports and transports there because he's been captured on some distant planet but it's this feeling of like we it's just exactly what you're saying it's we go into when we go he was saying when we go into this deep state we enter the void but we're still aware we're still aware of our own nature of what we are but we're in a formless place it's a place beyond matter And that's why they say it's the closest to the truth because this world that we're in now, this waking world, is the dualistic ego. It's the temporary, it's the superficial layers of the mind. It's like, imagine an ocean and at the top of the ocean are these choppy waves, right? And sometimes they can go really huge and crash down and sometimes they, you know, they can be just like very, you can get nauseous on the waves, you know, like a... Like, imagine you just, like, getting, you know, just watching the waves go to and fro and how that can kind of be, like, this illusion in your head. And that's our everyday waking reality. We're in the, we're in the choppy surface level of the ocean. But then think about now diving into the ocean beneath the surface, going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And free divers, they say when they experience going deeper, you know, really deep, that they're also going deep into their mind and they're finding a stillness, their silence and a peace. And when what happens at the bottom of the ocean, there's no light, 
it's still, it's silent. There's, you can't see anything. And it's, it's kind of like that with our consciousness. And we're always surfacing in our consciousness, saying that this surface is all that there is. But we're, you know, there's so much more depth to it. And yeah. I think that's kind of a, it's kind of an, in, it's kind of a, quite a visual metaphor to be able to, you know, the ocean with consciousness, you know, mm. and the, the ocean's always related to consciousness in these wisdom traditions. And you can see from that perspective, though, like why you would want to take a seat in this life, like the way they described it, because it is just like, night like it's diff you know like you can see why from that point you want to go have these experiences and um incarnate and stuff yeah right because you just there's you have that you have that almost completion right but it's fun to create and play just play yeah and that that could be and that's what they were trying to get through to me yeah. was like, remember you're just here to play. Yeah. You're just taking a seat, like when you sit down at the cinema and watch a film, like you're yeah. literally doing that in the life here as Helki. Like play, have fun. Like you're it was really a strong message for me of like feel and go about things. Mm. Don't and have fun and, and play. Like like that's what you're here to do. It's not mm. so heavy, like, because I can get very heavy about things. You know, I think we yeah. all can. Well, when you get lost in the illusion, that's yeah, what like, happens. because you, we get so attached to goals. Yeah. And, like, and we put our worth and on pressures. our productivity and our goals, right? Yeah. And it's just one of the many problems. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's, uh, that was why I think they reminded me of that. And yeah. Weirdly happened in a church. <laughs> so, what's really cool about what you just said? is that there's an ancient philosophical Indian um, like analogy to describe consciousness, right? So imagine your consciousness and you've gone and taken a seat mm. at the theater and your name is Purusha. Purusha is like the soul, you know, the individual soul consciousness awareness. And the dream, Maya... Prakriti, matter, the world, is dancing on the stage, right? And if you've ever been to theater or a movie, sometimes you might be able to experience where you get so wrapped up in the movie that you forget you're watching the movie. You're completely immersed in Mm -hmm. something. And that's what they say is happening, is that your soul has taken a seat and is watch, is observing this dance of life. Prakriti's dancing around on the stage. She has all these beautiful embellishments. But then, you know, someone might come onto the stage and shoot her. There might be some drama. There might be something, you know. And you're so wrapped up in it that you forget that you're watching. And you you become the dancer. You become her movements. You, you see, like, the drama unfolding and you become the drama. And then when the final bell hits and you die and the play, the curtains draw and the play's over, you're back in your seat, in your seat of consciousness. And that's why it's really weird that you say that because how they, that's how it was shown to me was yeah. like, they were literally, they, I felt like it was Mother Mary, like it was literally like 
look at it like this, you know. You're just sitting here in a seat. Yeah. And then I was in the seat, but then it all disappeared into the nothingness, into the blackness. And then it, it was like, now feel. And then when I came out of it, it was like, I morphed back into the seat, but then into the seat, I was back in my body, and then I was sat next to you in this church again, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so, so weird. Yeah, it's like a pretty much exactly... It's weird because I haven't even heard of these concepts, and I haven't yeah. studied religion and or anything like that, so... Yeah. yeah. It shows you that there really is something... Especially, like, from my perspective, because I haven't ever heard that before, but then I had that experience. So then you think, well, there feels like there's definitely something to that. I'm not just imagining it, Yeah, right? I mean, that's that's how I felt when I dove into, like, the yogic philosophy and studies. It would be, it was like, I had experienced so many things with consciousness that every time I tried to talk about it to people, they were just like, eh, I don't know what you're talking about. Then I started studying yoga, like in depth, the philosophies Mm -hmm. and theories of the mind. And I was like, wow, like this is exactly what I experienced. I had that experience. And then, you know, I'm in class and these, my teacher tells me this story about, you know, the dancer and the stage. And And the Buddhism as well. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, yes, like they've been talking about this for thousands of years. Like these, these yogis, these monks, these masters have been experiencing it and writing it down you know and they they really say it's the dream it's the collective dream that we get wrapped up in and i think you know these extra dimensional beings they're aware of that aspect of themselves that exists within the formless that exists within a place outside of time and space I, i really think it's there's no time or space in that place of course yeah and what happens when we become aware of that is that we become awake. We become we become awake dreamers, like they were saying, where we can dream the same dream and we can consciously will our reality. We can, you know, go into that space and come out somewhere else. You know, we can manifest ourselves down into the materiality, into the astral dimension. We can create our form when we know we're no longer formless on this true intrinsic level, then we become our own creators again. Mm. We become the directors of the play. Which we always are. Yeah. Yeah. Or we can choose to jump in and play a role for a little bit. Yeah. So do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? So I did have a couple things, but I want to be really quick because dinner and stuff. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, So dreams are a mirror for what we really think of ourselves. I heard this come up a lot when I was doing sort of like the non-spiritual research, you know, more like the therapists and stuff who who look into dreams. and, And I... I do think, yeah, like to a certain point, that's very true. You know, like if you're experiencing, you know, a certain type of dream, um, I can't think of any examples, but like, you know, if you're having a nightmare or, for example, if you couldn't get uh, away 
from someone or you're, you've been captured or something. Maybe this is going to mean that in your waking life, there's something that's making you feel powerless. So you see yourself as powerless and that's why you turn up that way in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, or like, yeah, like I think that kind of does, like I think a lot of our dreams are putting together stuff we're not fully processing in our waking life and then like showing us this like you have this energy towards yourself so it's sort of looking at dreams as really it's always going to be a mirror it's not really about the other people in your dreams or characters it's really about you so your dream is always going to be reflecting back to you what you feel about you um I don't know if that's always, but I just think that made a lot of sense. No, I think I really agree. I think that our dreams really can show us a lot, you know? And I think when we begin down this road, it's like what we're unconsciously dreaming is important to recollect and to remember so we can kind of go over, oh, what are we ignoring? You Mm -hmm. know, what are we, you know, pushing out? Like, and I feel like when people or things appear it's like okay let's say Britney Spears appears in our dream what do we see in ourselves in Britney Spears or no what do we perceive Britney Spears as like what does she mean to us you know she because our judgments of other people are only a mirror of of ourselves ourselves, so what is this judge what do we have of this person what does this person represent and what are they doing within the dream that you know that will so that's why like I think certain dream uh certain dream interpretations can be collective and then others are quite personal mm-hmm. you know like within different people or yeah, maybe it's like what's your opinion on it yeah yeah like there was this you know one guy who he was mong he it's like a kind of culture and they do shamanism and they're very into dreams and he was in my school and you know they had very specific dream symbols for everything like if you dream about a snake, it means that someone is about to be pregnant, you know, mm. but because they're brought up with these dream symbols, then that means when they dream and they believe these dream symbols, and then when they dream, when they see that, then it's actually true. But because we aren't brought up in that system, you know, when we dream a snake, it might mean something else. It, yeah, it, it totally is like what you believe it to be yeah i do think that like especially with nightmares and if you think like over 50 percent of people's dreams are bad dreams or nightmares like i do think that is just yeah like it you could use it for therapy in a sense you know like what i was saying with my dream when i died it really helped me like shift a little bit and see a perspective I weren't seeing, um, which I couldn't see from where I was at the time, you know, and yeah. it was helpful. Yeah. Or like, you know, I'm I have a lot of nightmares and like yeah, I, I guess I could look into those and more to see like what is the underlying energy there, you know? So like often mine are like I have to like save the lives of my loved ones like against wild animals that's like a reoccurring dream I've had since I was a kid but I guess I could really find a deep meaning for that like 
Yeah, I I, I don't know what it is now, really, but... Well, what I is... think if people have reoccurring dreams, like, there's definitely, especially since you were a kid, it could be connected with your childhood trauma. Yeah. It could be, like, what what is a wild, you know, animal represent to you? It may be vicious. Maybe it's... Um... Like, it was always going to kill my family. Yeah, but then if we think about dreams... And I had to protect them. If we think about dreams and that everything within our dreams is an aspect of ourself... Yeah. Then how do you relate to those animals? Is there maybe something inside you that is like those animals? And are you really trying to actually protect, you know, your family from yourself? From a certain aspect of yourself? When I'm like five years old? Yeah, well... When these dreams started? Well, maybe if, you know, if there was like... You know, if you, you know, expressed a certain way, that might have been wild and you were... They started after the divorce. Mm. Maybe it was, like, something to do with that. Yeah, or maybe you felt like, you know, you had to take into... uh, You had to take protection into your own hands because you weren't feeling protected. Well, yeah, because, like, why am I protecting everyone in my dreams when I'm a kid? Yeah. Because maybe, like, you didn't feel protected... So to compensate for that, you're like, I have to gain the control and protect my family, you know, so that in a way you were protecting yourself, mm. you know, but there's so many different ways to interpret. I dreams. think you could, like, I could go into meditation on that. So we're just sort of pulling up something from my, my stuff as an example, but it's like, we didn't plan this and I could definitely dive into that. It's not something I really thought to do. But yeah, like, I think look into your dreams as a mirror for maybe something you need to face in your own life. So it's not necessarily, oh my God, it was a a big lion. But like Trey said, what does that lion represent in myself or in yourself? So looking at it from that perspective. So I do think um, dreams are kind of helping shift us onto the correct timeline or shift us out of a stagnant energy or process something that we're, we've got still running in the background that we're not aware of. Yeah. Like facing your shit, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, another like quick one. Like I just wanted to quickly mention it, and I, I doubt like you really know much about it or anything because it's more of like a witchy thing. But it's um, like psychic attacks. So they can actually come up in dreams. So I don't want to go fully into psychic attacks. But if you are dreaming about um, someone, someone's coming into your dreams. And if they're even if they're like attacking you as well in your dream or hunting you in your dream. And psychic attacks work as well, like just within the mind realm. So you can be completely awakening it and getting psychically attacked. Like... Um, somebody's like pushing their presence into you but in your dreams like it can get really intense because you're not conscious like so like if you do keep getting psychically attacked you can you can look into spells to do to um protect yourself you can like sleep with a obsidian or um like there's loads of actually stones you could look up that mm. you could um, sleep with around your neck or under your pillow. Uh, yeah, I think with psychic attacks, the real big question is 
why are you letting someone take your power? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you... How, like, what... You need to set boundaries, pretty much. It's like... It normally happens with a lot of empaths and people with open auras yeah. as well. So, genuinely, if you just walk... If you're an empath, you have a very porous open aura. Um... And it takes like a yeah a lot of spiritual development to protect yourself more than the average person because you're just so naturally wide and open and accessible for people as you are intruding on them just as much as it can happen the opposite way. But yeah. um, and and also I feel like psychic and um, attacks and curses and all that stuff only exist if you allow them to have power over you. So if you get you know, like, let's say some person comes up into your face and, like, is, like, has black teeth and, like, sticks their tongue out and rattles something and says, I curse you, and you believe that you've been cursed, Mm -hmm. then it will affect you. Like, a curse only can take place if they've triggered a feeling into you. But if you, you know, if you can, you know, stay very clear in what you are hold your boundaries and not let others affect your energy that's the true key to like repelling psychic attacks and repelling these things because i used to suffer from those too and i don't know if it was like i it was just like i even made an art piece about it <laughs> like psychic attacks where and it, it really came stopped happening when i set boundaries of my being and also understood that, you know, we can easily get wrapped up into the illusion of feelings and that I can change and shift my feeling at my will and my power at, at my moment. And I'm not subject to any, um, anyone else's emotions or feeling. Yeah, it's so true. It's, it's a lot harder, though, in, in practice. So... Um, it can be really hard to to if you're not have done the spiritual work already but you don't you also don't want to keep being psychically attacked in your dreams and you're like you struggle with boundaries in your daily life as it is sort of thing um I just think that there are things you can do is just bring in that awareness and consciousness to it and I think the best thing you can do is what Trey said like a hundred percent um it's about having boundaries and and that's what the open aura is it's like you're not holding that boundary around you but yeah like dreams dreams are um one way you can be psychically attacked so don't feel like is there something wrong with me this like enemy keeps coming up in my dreams it's because they are constantly sending thought forms of you towards you. So they're thinking about you a lot. They're dreaming about you a lot purposely. Um, so you can also do a cord cutting ceremony. If you look up cord cutting, um, that can be super helpful um, and very successful, actually, when you really dive into cord cutting. It can almost like cut off the psychic attack completely. But like Trey said, just to keep yourself protected in general you just need to have good solid boundaries um and be doing the spiritual work okay so that will be everything he's trying to do sign language well we should just finish up with the tarot the final tarot. oh okay 
tarot pull. Okay. And while she's getting that, I just wanted... Do you remember what we, card we pulled for March? Um, I'll have to get the image up. I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, because we're out of February now, and I really can see that even towards the end of um, February, the energy really shifted quite a lot. Um, but, I mean, now in March... We are seeing a couple new things happening in the world. Um, I'm not sure if it's, you know, how many people, if it's different on an interpersonal level. But, you know, there are a lot of stuff being thrown up in the world, like war. I'm pretty sure March was was the, the Nine world. of Cups. Oh, no, the world? Yeah. What was February? Nine of Wands. Oh, nine of wands. Okay. So it was the nine of swords. No, nine of swords, ten of wands. Sorry, and now it's um, the world card, which is a great card. But it, you know, it can also mean endings and the end of a cycle. Like mm. ideally for us, it would be great. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> It'd be great to have an end of a cycle right now, so we could start fresh and. Yeah. Yeah, go to France again. Um. So yeah, like with the world card, I feel like, you know, we would have already done the prediction for that and everything, but we've entered March now. Was we not in March on our last podcast though? No. All right. Um. Yeah, it's like a lot of kind of fixed energy so it's like you really would have come like by March you really would have like come to an understanding and like a solid um sort of understanding and belief system or or plan some kind of solid plan and you're sort of ready to um end and shift into the new you know like end what was and shift into the new with like a very complete understanding of why everything happened the way it did and how you grew from that and how you're now ready and um to embark on the new right trey just pulled the page of ones and the hanged man so hangman's number 12 you want to start us? did you have anything when you pulled them yeah, I want to hold off. No, I want to hear what you say. I mean, the page of wands, um, for me, it seems like, I don't know, it seems like he's in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's, he he looks very, like, <laughs> hopeful <laughs> in some ways. And he's, like, taking charge, going on an adventure, and moving forward. Yeah. What do you? What does the page of cups really represent? Because I know you're the tarot master. I wouldn't say that. You're the tarot no. master. <laughs> um, like intuitively for this week, what I feel like the page of wands is saying, I feel like this week, you're gonna get like a strong message from your guides or some kind of synchronicity or or from someone who comes through in your life, um who's able to offer you guidance but it's going to be in that sort of realm of what lights you up and 
um, what drives you. Like there's there's something that's going to um, ignite that for you this week and it, it should come in the form of maybe some kind of like message, like a spiritual um, message that sort of like reignites your passion, you know? And it kind of goes in line with what you was getting from it, you know? Sort of ready to, like, feeling confident. Um, mm. And I feel like you'll get that. Like, whether it, if it's even just, like, people in your team, like, hey, man, like, you're doing a really good job. Keep at it. And that's going to... It's just going to be little things. Like, it'll be something little. Like, those little things happening this week that are giving you that boost of confidence, you know? Um... And then kind turn, of a yes from the universe. And then turn everything you know upside down, baby. Enlightenment comes when you're hanging by your foot. The hangman. Yeah. <laughs> what do you feel like for this week you're getting from that hangman card? It's kind of like relating to, you know, we think that the dream, the waking world is re- is reality, like the only reality. And it's actually, I feel, inverted. And the hanged man kind of represents that perfectly. He's like upside down, you know, and holds. Um, well, he can't go anywhere. He has to just be. Yeah. So he has to just be. And there's, you know, you have to accept that. Um, you know, he could be freaking out, trying to chew the cord off, you know, trying to gnaw his leg off. But he's found a state of enlightenment represented like by the halo, mm-hmm. you know, just accepting what is and it's like a four his leg right yeah and four is what structure upside down four yeah well look it's the same as in the world card the same leg shape but the world card's upside upright Mm. do you notice that yeah so i think it's like turning things topsy-turvy what if the bottom of the ocean was the top and you know and the top of the ocean is the bottom. And what if consciousness is most awake in sleep and you're most in illusion when you're awake? Yeah, so I think this week, guys, like, just look out for those signs. And then with that hangman, he's sort of, it's sort of just letting us know it's, it's not happening right now. You need to do the inner work, as Trey said, like, dive into that dream realm, like... I feel like this week we could all really benefit from focusing more on meditation and finding that mindful space and also looking for those little signs, you know, like being open for little signs that are going to ignite your passion again, but also not feeling the need to act on it. You know, the page as well, that energy is it's not necessarily like acting like the night energy. And then you've got the hangman. It's like hold back, wait, be, just be. And so I think there's there's that. This is sort of by holding back, by being with yourself and by looking within, this is going to ignite in you and you're going to start feeling those positive, um, you know, feelings towards yourself or even seeing that reflected back to you by others. Like I said, you, you'll be getting those things like good job and... Um, nice comments and um, generosity and kindness and 
yeah, I just think by reconnecting with yourself, you're really going to ignite a passion, but it takes being with yourself, meditating, do working on the dream um, recall as well, and working with your dreams. I think the hangman is a great example of dreams, right? I think so too. Perfect we don't metaphor. have an oracle. Yeah, I think so we can wrap it up. Yeah, because this episode's longest episode we've ever done. Yeah. One hour and a half. So yeah, we're going to go enjoy our dinner. And we hope that you guys have an amazing week. And we look forward to another episode next week. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you can, leave a five-star review. It helps us so much. And we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, everybody, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.